Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles and open them to Genesis chapter 24. We'll pick up where we left off last time, finishing the chapter. And I've entitled our Bible study, The Lord Led Me. And this chapter happens to be one of my most favorite in the Bible. Uh, This phrase that's being used by the servant of Abraham. And as we're studying through the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, chapter 24, you'll remember, is a big change. Uh, It's a turning point. It's a a big break in the second division of Genesis. We divided Genesis, remember, into two parts. Chapters 1 through 11 cover four great events. Uh, It covers creation, and then the fall, then the flood, and then the Tower of Babel. While the second part, chapters 20 through 50, cover four people. Four events, four people. And the second half covers Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Abraham's fading off the scene. We're turning our attention to Isaac. We learned last time that Isaac is about 40 years of age here in chapter 24. It's time for him to be married. Abraham calls his servant, sends him back home to find a wife for his son, which was a seemingly impossible task. We learned that in our study. Eleazar is his name. He heads out to the city of Nahor, stops at a well, lays this request before the Lord. In verse 15, it says, And it happened before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Before he's even done praying, God answers his prayer. Rebecca arrives, waters his camels. And we don't want to forget the typology. We examined this in depth last time. We don't want to forget it today. The typology here in a broader sense, Abraham is a type of God the Father in this true story. Isaac represents Jesus the Son. There is a new person, the unnamed servant, which we believe is Eleazar, representing a type of the picture of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The servant, this type of the Holy Spirit, gave a bride these valuable gifts, uh, valuable and precious. We saw the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And God is taking what's being said and being presented and through it, pointing us to Jesus, revealing more of his character. Let's pick up now in verse 27 of chapter 24. It says, And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. And this is one of those verses I have highlighted in green. It's one of those go ministry verses, a verse that reminds me it's fundamental, foundational for serving Jesus. I have it highlighted green. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told told those of her mother's house these things. This phrase, this phrase, as for me being on the way the Lord led me, 
is I believe one of the most important keys in determining the will of God for your life. So many today wonder and strive. I would think that some even listening to me right now are desperately worried that you have missed the will of God. It gets so spiritualized that you come to the place where you're thinking, I've just missed it. I made a left turn when I should have made a right turn, or I'm not sure how God wants to lead me and guide me. It's a key, you know, we want to know the will of God, but sometimes we make it so much more than it really is. So much harder than the simplicity of abiding in Christ and following his lead, being on the way. Many believers, you know, they'll sit back and do nothing. And they'll think, I know how the God, I know how God will lead me. I'll just sit back and I'll wait for something to happen. Yeah, it's silly, you know, you might be unemployed right now and there you are. I know, I know what I'll do. Uh, I'll just sit here and I'll pray for a job. And you never put any applications. You never make any phone calls. You never knock on any doors. You never take the job that's before you because you're always waiting for something else. And you sit there wondering, I don't think I'm in the will of God. Uh, Step out. And don't just sit around waiting for something to happen. And that's the key. Being on the way. Get up and start moving. And we have these pictures and these thoughts of how God really speaks to his people But more often than not, God will lead and speak to his people while they're in the process of living their life. Living life. We want that burning bush. But how many times in the Bible did that happen? Once to one person. It doesn't happen again. We want to be walking along and let the donkey talk to us. But how many times did that happen? Once to one guy. And by the way, it happened to a rebellious man at that. We want these supernatural, like unmistakable fleeces that we lay out. But really, God uses us being on the way in everyday life, in everyday situations. We have this perfect illustration of this very fact. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. We studied this not too long ago. And over in Acts chapter 8, I want to remind you of it. I want you to see it because I have in my Bible marked the verbs. And I want you to mark them if you haven't already. Acts chapter 8. We have a beautiful illustration of this here in the early church. Philip is ministering in a very dynamic time in Samaria. There's a wonderful move of the Spirit. Many are committing their lives to Jesus. Out of the blue, an angel comes and tells him to head to the desert. Leave this revival and go towards the desert. Go on the road toward Gaza. Now put yourself in his sandals for a second. He's in the midst of something super exciting, very dynamic. It would lead to, I think if I was in his shoes, I would question God a little bit. I mean, I hope I'd obey. I don't know that I'd be so quick to obey. I'm like, are you sure? You sure you got the right ed? There's a lot of eds around here. There's, are you sure you got the right one? Because I think God's using me right here. I think that this is where I should be. Look at the fruit. We can think of all of the phrases and the cliches we might even come up with to question the leading of God. God did lead him. Notice in chapter, in chapter 8 and verse 26, here's how the Bible describes it. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, mark these words, arise and go. When does Philip receive these words? While he's ministering, while he's serving, he's living life. He was doing what God had called him to do. And while he was doing what God called him to do, God spoke to him. 
get up and go. And he gives the direction toward the south along the road, which goes down to Gaza. This is desert. He doesn't really give him anything else. In verse 27, mark these words. So he arose and went. He's on the move, on the move, on the move. Then as he arose and went, this man of Ethiopia caught his eye. And then he, the spirit of the Lord said in verse 29, go near and overtake the chariot. And then mark these words. In verse 30, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And how does this end? But the man getting saved and taking the gospel back home. And it was while Philip was doing what God had called him to do, while he was on the way. I think perhaps the only thing holding some of you back today from a dynamic ministry in serving God is just going for it, taking the first step. I wonder who's listening to me right now is just waiting for it all to be explained to you. If you just get all the steps, you take this one and then I'll lead to this one and then I'll lead to this one. And this is exactly what the next five years of your life will look like. And so you're waiting for that fullness of, it, of something to be explained to you when God is just saying, just be on the way. Like with the servant here, Abraham said, go, and he went. There was some hesitation. I think God makes room for hesitation. What if she doesn't want to come was one of the questions. He had a valid question. And the answer was simple. She doesn't want to come. She doesn't have to come. Leave her. She doesn't have to come. And we learned that became a type and a picture of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Remember? The ministry of the Holy Spirit's not going to force you. I'm going to make you against your will. If you don't want to come, don't come. If you don't want to follow the Lord, don't follow the Lord. You don't want to repent of your sins, don't repent of your sins. Just understand that that decision comes with a consequence. And, and more so, if we could take that illustration and expand it just a, minute, a little bit more by, by application, if you're listening to me right now in the study of God's word and you don't want to step out, don't step out. But there's a consequence that comes with that. If you don't want to be on the way because it's scary, or you don't want to be on the way because it's impossible, or you don't want to be on the way because you don't like it, or you don't think that's what God has for you, or you, you, you don't want to be on the way, then don't go on the way. But also don't expect, don't expect God to say, oh, that's okay, you, we'll set that aside. I have something else for you. Many times, you might want to jot this down, many times, one of the easiest steps in knowing what the will of God is for your life is to go back to the thing, the last thing that God told you and obey it. Just go back to the last thing God had told you and obey it. It may be a repetition of where you are right now, but it's also an affirmation and a reaffirmation of the will of God for your life. I'll give you an example. You're in college right now. You don't want to be in college. You, you just think, I need to get out in the big bad world and go get a job. But God told me to go to college. I don't know what the will of God, I don't like college. I don't know what the will of God is. One way to discern the will of God is go back to when the Lord said, go to college and obey that in that moment. You go, that doesn't tell me much. No, it actually does tell you a lot. Stay in college while you're discontented. Stay where God has you. Well, because you're on the way there and that discontentment and the doubts and the concerns are confusing you. That confusion is not from the Lord. I would say that too, as I have the privilege of serving pastors. I've served wonderful pastors here on our team. As we co-labor together, I get to serve pastors around the city, around the country, even around the world. And I'll tell you, more often than not, 
One of the ministries that God would have me as a messenger of, of him is to say, look, I know things are hard right now, but you need to go back to when God called you and remember the calling of God. It will get you through this. You can say by definitively, God has you where you are by his will. And go back to the calling. Go back to the verse that he gave you. Go back to the confirmation he gave you. And say, Lord, I'm going to meet you back here in this place of peace. And I'm going to meet you back here in this place of safety. And I'm going to meet you back here in this place of calling and confirmation. Because I know that all the confusion and the doubting is not helping me serve you well. Some of the things that are holding you back is just stepping out into the unknown. Doing even the most simplest things spiritually. We're not getting into the list I have prepared for you today yet. I will. I have a list of things that you can jot down that will help you. But give me, let me give you another one on the pre-list. One of the ways that, you can, that will help you discern the will of God is to be faithful where you are. Be faithful. That may include you stop murmuring and complaining or stop worrying or fretting. But be faithful in even the most simplest of things. Be faithful where you are. It's so important. Knowing the will of God doesn't always include some huge, big, scary step into the unknown. Most of the time, it is the next step of simple, regular, ordinary life. I think I taught a Bible study many years ago in Samuel about the God of the mundane. Just the normal, everyday life. You just do what's in front of you. Just do what you're asked. I think of the school ministry that we have, brand new class. This is every week. Just do what you're asked. Just do what you're asked. Trust us and do what you're asked. The Lord will take care of the rest. If you don't do what you're asked, then there's friction and conflict. And of course, you're not discerning what the will of God is for you. It's not always some huge, big, scary step. It might be a small, scary step. It might be a small step you don't like. It could be just answer the phone. Stop sending it to voicemail. Answer the phone. That's not to anyone in particular, but maybe it is. Read the connect email that we send to you in the life of your church and pray over it. Fill out a ministry application. How about this? You want to know the will of God for your life? Read your Bible every day. Open yourself up to the Lord in the morning or in the afternoon or the evening. You want to know the will of God? Pray every day. You want to know the will of God for your life? Take a prayer walk. Reach out to someone. Text them. Pray for them. Be faithful in the little things. Do what you can do and don't always, look, don't always put yourself in a place where I'm not in the will of God. Even if you're in a very difficult place right now, even if the difficult place that you're in right now is because of your own sin or your own consequences, even if you're in a place you don't want to be in, even if you can fill in the blanks, I can say with definitive, with no hesitation, you are where you are in this moment by the will of God. God has you where he has you. And so embrace him by faith. I'm not saying that's where he wants to keep you. I'm not saying that you couldn't be in a better place or we could have made decisions, but we're not going to live our life just always looking in the rearview mirror, regretting all the mistakes that we made. We're going to repent from them. We're going to lay them before the Lord. We're going to cast our cares for him and we're going to embrace the moment. Some people live their whole life wanting to know, what's the will of God for my life? And they live in the, in the clouds and their feet are never on the ground. The will of God is just like what Joshua said. I, I love it. God gave this to me early on when I moved here to Colorado. 
And he's used it in so many different ways. And I, I didn't exactly know why, but, but he gave me great encouragement when he gave the encouragement to Joshua. He also gave it to me. Wherever the soul your feet tread, I have given you. That means wherever I am, that's where God wants me. And sure, my feet can be get myself into trouble. And, but I think what we're learning with Abraham, even in his trouble, the Lord was with him. And he'll get his feet out of there. Get your feet out of here, man. You don't belong here, Abraham. And God, what did he do? Even with Abraham and that king, when he, sold, when he lied about his wife, God himself rescued Abraham from it. Put a heavy burden upon the king to rescue him. Why? Because he loves you. Yes, there's consequences. Yes, there's difficulties. But look, be faithful. Be faithful where you are. Be on the way. I believe that God wants us to take steps of faith. I was meditating on this verse recently. You can jot it down in Luke chapter 12 and verse 32. Jesus said, don't fear, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't fear. God wants to give you his kingdom. He wants you to enjoy the kingdom. He wants you to flourish and thrive. So don't fear. Get back to that place of abiding. You know, you ask the Lord whatever you want. And if it's according to his will, he's going to grant it to you. And how do you pray according to his will? You're abiding in him. And his will is your will. Now, many years ago, we went verse by verse, a Bible study through the book of Romans. And when you get to chapter 12, we paused. And I would encourage you, if you want the deeper Bible studies on this, if you're really wrestling with discovering the will of God for your life, uh, we went many, many weeks through Romans chapter 12, right there in the first few verses, many weeks on how to discover the will of God. So I went back to the notes there, and I I noticed a couple of relevant things that I can share with you today uh, that will help you on a practical way discover the will of God for your life. You can ask some key questions before the Lord, and the way he answers them will lead you uh, in making decisions. And by the way, we have a goal of, st- of studying 40 verses in our study today, and we are on verse 2. Just want to give you a heads up. So here's some things. You can go back to the, on the app or on the web uh, in the book of Romans chapter 12. All those ver- chapters are before you even get into the spiritual gifts. You talk about presenting yourself to the Lord. We went through it in depth, but let me give you a few things. Number one, you're looking to discern the will, practical steps, discovering the will of God. Number one, God will speak to you through his word. That makes sense. He'll speak to you through his word. In Psalm 119, in verse 104, it says, through your precepts, I get understanding. Through your precepts, I get understanding. I just want you to consider for a moment how often you lean on people's opinions to discover God's will before you ever get to the word. Go to the word first. Let it saturate your life. Sow the seeds of the word of God. That's where you're going to get understanding. God will never lead you contrary to his written word. This is the bedrock and the absolute clear and complete revelation of God that we measure all other so-called revelations. There is no new revelation. The new revelations you and I experience are revelations of intimacy with the Father. The word of God is the established standard. The Bible would describe it as The word, the faith, once and for all delivered. Once and for all delivered. So I always want to make sure that this is what the Bible teaches. I want to be in the Bible. I want it to change me. I don't want to change what the Bible says. Obviously, none of us do. 
But you think when you get into emotion, when you're fearful, when you don't know what the will of God is, you can very easily twist the word to your own harm. You've got to let it change you. You've got to be conformed in the image of Christ. You need to be changed. You don't want to change what the Bible says. The Bible is crystal clear. Like, for example, again, another silly illustration. Is it okay to sleep with my girlfriend? Yes or no? No! Why? The Bible says so. Fornication is a sin. It is never okay. Ever, never, ever, never, ever, never. Why? Not because I said so. The Bible says it. It's never. But what about? No, it's not what about. What about what the Bible says? Let's settle that first. Well, the Bible says, I can't sleep with my boyfriend. I can't have sexual relations outside of marriage. That's what the Bible says. But what about? No, there's no what about. That's what the Bible says. You don't need to go any farther. This is the will of God for your life. Your sexual uh, morality, you, that there is, it is not for you. The will of God for your life, the Bible says clearly, is for you to flee sexual morality. Run away from it. It's very easy. The Bible is the foundation. Number two, you want to discover the will of God? God will speak to you through your circumstances. You want to pay attention to circumstances. We have to be careful here. Circumstances are not the only way that God will speak, but he will use them. This is not the only way to discern whether God is leading us or not. It's not isolated. It's not primary, but God does use it. This is the phrase we usually use to describe circumstances. You ready? So you can put it all into context, especially those of you that are new believers, newer believers, you can understand some Christian phrases of what we mean. Many times we'll describe circumstances as open doors and closed doors. Why? Because it makes total sense. An open door says, come on in. And a closed door says, you can't. An open door is yes. A closed door is no. And God will use the yeses and nos of circumstances. Not isolated and not primary. But we also don't want to ignore them. We don't want to ignore them. God uses both yes and no in our lives. Thirdly, God will use for us peace, a peace in our hearts. Again, this is not isolated. So let me just say, God will never give you a peace to do something sinful. So please don't come, well, you know, God has just given me a peace. Well, like a peace for what? You, you, what you're about to do is so wrong. Well, no, God's given me a peace. Now, I can tell you right now, that is not a peace from God. That is your own sinful, fleshly selfishness. You've just chosen to do your own thing, to do it your own way, and blame God for it. And you will pay a price for that. However, God does promise in Philippians, he promises us in chapter 3, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. And what does he say? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, which is your emotions, which really confuses us, and your minds, where our spiritual warfare takes place, of what we will believe through Christ Jesus. And it is possible to have a settled peace to go forward so that you can come back and go, wow, I was on the way, the Lord led me. And he gives a peace. A lot of wrestling happens with this sense of peace. There's a, sometimes a lack of peace, probably more often than not, a lack of peace means wait. Pause. Just wait on the Lord till he 
uses both his open doors and closed doors. It's not against the word of God. And there's a sense where, yeah, I think we, let's do this. Let's go forward. Let's take the next step. I'm amazed at how often believers fight God when he says no. And you've got to consider that in your own life. Our hearts are set and our minds are made up. And then when God denies us, we get so mad at him. Like as if only the yeses are from God and the noes can't be from God. But he uses both. He uses the yeses and the noes of life to discern our will. One brother said, I think it was Pastor Skip Heitzig said, uh, that the Bible says the steps of the Lord are ordered from the Lord. That's, I think, Psalm 37. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And then he added to that, but so are the stops. The stops are also ordered uh, by the Lord. God's no's are just as important as God's goes. As you're walking with the Lord, abiding in Christ, he'll give you a peace or he'll stop you with spiritual hesitations. The idea of peace ruling in your heart, the word speaks of an umpire, like a referee that's going to be, be able to tell you this is the right way or this is the wrong way. And then number four uh, in discovering the will of God is God will bring it about in his timing. He makes all things beautiful in his time. It's his timing that's important. Here's another way to think about it, you note-takers. Here's another way to think about it as you're praying and seeking the Lord, trying to discover his will, wanting to discover his will. Uh, If, as you're praying and seeking the Lord, if the request is wrong, God will say no. If the timing is wrong, God will say slow. If you are wrong, God will say grow. But if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, you know what God says? go. And I thought, that was great. I don't know where I picked that up, but somebody smart said that. The request is wrong, no. The timing is wrong, slow. If you're wrong, you need to grow. But if everything lines up, it's time to go. That's where the, that's where the servant is. It was an impossibility. Even as he laid a fleece before the Lord, he laid a request. Even the request was impossible, and yet God lined it all up. And Rebecca showed up at just the right time. God does want, all of this is to say, because even the explanation can feel a little complicated. He's like, man, that's a lot to remember. Okay, let's just make it very simple. Let's just simplify the whole thing. God wants to lead you. Follow him. And acknowledge that you're following his lead. Think about today. You're here right now, listening to this Bible study, in this room, on the podcast, by the will of God. You are here because God led you here. Give him the credit. Oh no, Ed, I changed on my calendar. I put a little reminder and like, yeah, God put all that in your heart. You're here by the will of God. You're here wherever you are, wherever the sole of your feet touch, God has given you. So take advantage of it and use it. Well, we learn about the family of Rebecca now in chapter 24, verse 29. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. And Laban ran out to meet the man by the well. We're going to learn that Laban is a greedy, shrewd man. And so it came to pass when he saw his, the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man and there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, come in, O blessed of the Lord, Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. 
Laban is a conniver and a trickster, and he hears the story, thinks he might be, uh, she might be taken away, and he wants the gifts, he wants the treasures. He tells the servant to come into the house. He's prepared it. Again, if you want to follow the picture here, the typology for a moment, Laban sees the gifts and he desires them and he wants them. That's exactly one of the key reasons why God has given gifts to the church so that it might provoke jealousy in a watching world. That the world might see in the church among believers what they can find nowhere else. They can't find, they, they don't experience. What's experienced among believers is not experienced in this world. And here Laban sees this man that comes with gifts and he wants them. As we exercise the gifts, it's to not so much to stun everybody and show off and draw attention to ourselves, but rather in our worship of God, he uses that worshipful heart through the exercise of our gifts so that it might bring him glory and attention. I think of how many of you are encouragers. And as your, God uses your encouragement in the world, it stuns people around. They may never tell you this, but you can be assured you're stunning to people in your encouragement. Why? Because Jesus Christ in you is stunning. You just get to be a part of it. But the encouragement of of the Lord is so beautiful to us. It's so wonderful that he has a word in due season. It's so wonderful that he would bring through the Holy Spirit to remembrance all the things that we've been taught. It's so wonderful that he would take a book and, and, and give it to us as a living, breathing. The Bible is alive and powerful and it's speaking to us. How is it living and breathing? But by as illuminated by the Holy Spirit. And as you live out in your giftings of encouragement or helps or mercy, I think of how many of you are so merciful in a world that lacks mercy. Just doggy dog world. And it creates a thirst. Even as God would tell us that God is turning his attention to the Gentiles to provoke jealousy among the Jews. It's like, what are you, the, we're, we're, the, we're God's chosen people, and why? What's happening here? And God is using the church and the grace poured out in us. Well, verse 32, the man came to the house. He unloaded the camels, provided straw and feed for the camels, and watered to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. And the food was set before him to eat, but he said, I won't eat until I've told you about my errand. He said, speak on. Well, I'm Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly. He's become great has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. Now my master has made me swear, saying, you shall not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, verse 38. You should go to my father's house, to my kindred, take a wife from my son. And I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I walk will send an angel with you, prosper your way, should take a wife for my son, from my kindred, and from my father's house. You will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my kindred, for if they will not give her to you, then you'll be released from my oath. This day I came to the well and said, O Lord, God of my master, Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I will go. 
Behold, I'll stand by the well of water. Shall come to pass when the virgin comes out to draw water. I say to her, please give me a little water for your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, verse 44, drink, and I'll draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking, all that was in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, please, let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, drink, and I'll give your camels a drink also. And I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist, and I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. And then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, This thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either good or bad. Here's Rebekah before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard the words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the ground. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, gold, jewelry of gold and clothing, gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. We call this in our modern day language, sharing your testimony. That's what he does. He says, do I have a story for you? You need to know what God has just done. And I want to tell you all about it. I want to tell you about where I came from. I want to tell you what God is doing. And I want to tell you what the future looks like. That's, the, that's your testimony. Where did you come from? Some of us, when we, our testimony, we came from a very difficult place. And then what did God do to save you? Now what is God doing? And where is he taking us? That's your testimony. And as you share your testimony, it's a very powerful thing. It's exciting to share what the God is doing in your life. It's exciting to share what God has done in your life. And it's exciting to anticipate that God is not done with you yet. Listen, how do you know? How can I say definitively now as your friend, as your brother, as your pastor, how can I say definitively that God is not done with you yet? Very easy. You're alive. God is not done with you yet. You are alive. And because of the life that God has given you, it belongs to him and you are duty bound to surrender your life and serve the Lord all the days you have left. You have no choice. Now, by saying that, of course, you do have a choice. But again, you can have benefits of choices or consequences of choices. That's your choice. And I'm learning, I want benefits. I've learned over the years to use this language when it comes to benefits and consequences. I've learned to say and live in my life, I would much rather have the consequences of obedience than the consequences of disobedience, because I've experienced both. And I'd much rather enjoy the consequences of obedience, which often we say are the benefits of obedience. But by way of illustration, consequences of obedience are far better. Sometimes obedience will be painful. I was just texting a friend of mine today about situation that's going on. And as I was texting him, I said, you know, I made the decision and I knew there would be a cost and I made it nonetheless. I know it's from the Lord because I made a decision and I knew it would cost me. I know it's from the Lord. 
And Jesus would teach us the same thing. He says, you know, you need to learn to count the cost. And the count the cost of obedience, count the cost of disobedience. I, I, this is encouraging. I can't help but think that if we were putting this to film or we, that, and put some music behind it, that the music would build and build. And you won't believe this. And then you won't believe this. And here we are. And here, the Lord of my God, verse 48, who led me in the way of truth. He, he was given the direction and he was following what he felt was the word from Abraham. Like that was the word from his master. Now, but now he can look back and go, oh, I know the Lord led me. Here it is right here. I'm here. I'm here. I mean, think about how did I get here? Who are you? Where'd you come from? Like I'm here because God led me here. And the testimony of Laban, even if he was conniving, even if he just wants more stuff, God used that to bring Rebecca home to Isaac. Just learn to allow the Lord to do what he wants to do and trust him. Verse 54 now, come back. He and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night, and they rose in the morning, and, and he said, send me away to my master. And you can see things change overnight, right? But her brother and her mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least 10. After that, she may go. And he said to them, don't hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. Earlier they said they could go. She could go right away. Now they're hesitant. Let's stay about 10 days. Some versions say 10 months. It's significant here. And his answer is, don't hinder me. I, I am confident this is from the Lord. Do not hinder me. You, in this coming year, I'm, I'm confident of this. So many of you in this coming year are going to be used in ways you've never been used before. God is going to be taking you in places you've never gone before, giving you confirmation and direction and, and words from his scripture. He's going, to, he's going to be doing things in your life, calling you to lead, delivering you, breaking shackles and bondages. Like God has great things. It is his pleasure and his goodwill to give you the kingdom. It's there. You're going to experience it. And then you're going to hear from family and friends in this world system. No, 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 no. Not so much. Just 10 more days. Just 10 more days. You, you can, it's almost like the, the, the whisper of the devil. Just 10 more days. I'll give it to you. you. You can, but 10 more days, 10 more weeks, 10 more months. Go take care of this. Make sure you go and take care of the land you bought that you never saw. Or make sure you go check the cattle. Uh, that you bought, that you didn't inspect. Like, there's always a convenient reason not to go forward with the will of God. Let's just set aside the idea, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, you do know what the will of God is. Now do it. Okay, I'm ready, Ed. Let's do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to, okay. And then, the, then immediately, whether it's your flesh, the world, or the devil himself, just 10 more days. You can wait 10 days. Just give it some time. Think this through. Or... You may have a friend. Are you sure? Give it some time. Again, you're also going to have to discern where there's a need for praying and seeking the Lord and being wise. I, I really don't have the answer for all of that for you. I, you say, well, if I should pray and wait on the Lord, how long? I have no idea. Should I pray and wait on the Lord? I don't know. Like, I'm not, I don't know. The Lord is working with you differently than he's working with me. I know principles, but I really don't know. I'm going to pray for you. So maybe he'll show you or show me. 
But I do know this, the cry of the world, the cry of your flesh, the cry of the devil is, you don't have to be so radical. Or you don't have to be so dedicated. Or you don't have to be so faith-filled. You don't have to be so crazy. Don't be so crazy. The devil has no problem with you owning a Bible if you never read it. You can have 10 Bibles. You can build a house of Bibles. That doesn't threaten the, the devil, you know. What threatens the devil is a believer with one paragraph that she reads and believes it. <laughs> that threatens the kingdom of darkness. The devil is not entirely concerned that you're in fellowship tonight if your body is here but your heart's not here. That doesn't, that's not threatening. You probably have a little bit more threat to him because you're closer to the things of God. You're moving forward. Up. But if your heart's not in or you're in compromise right now or you're one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and you're still wanting to play games, that's not a big threat to the kingdom of darkness. No, the threat is I'm all in. I've been, I've been away. I've been wayward. I've been a prodigal. I've been in sin. I've been half-hearted. I've been holding back on God. I, I've been hypocritical. You name it, but no more. Now, that's a threat. And there's always someone saying, just 10 more days. Not so much. You don't have to be that much. You don't have to go that far. There's always some little compromise. And the Spirit of God, the servant, representing in a type of the Spirit. You know what the Spirit says? Don't you hinder me. Don't you grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't hinder the work of God in your life. Go for it. Go for it. Obey Him. And again, this is the will of God. They've already affirmed it. Abraham's servant already knows it. Rebecca already knows it. They've already affirmed it. After a nice, you know, some food and some hanging out, it changed their mind. And then in verse 57, so they said, we'll call the young woman and ask her personally. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man of God? And she said, I will go. I will go. Rebecca represents the, in typology in this chapter, Rebecca represents the church. So the response of the church is, I'm going. I want all that God has for me. Take me back to the Father. I'm, I, I want all that the Father has for me. And they sent away Rebecca, their sister and her nurse, Abraham's servant and his men, and they blessed Rebecca, said to her, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands. May your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. And Rebecca and her maids arose and rode on the camels and followed the man the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Beir, Lahai Roy, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went to meditate in the field and in the evening, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. She said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It's my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all these things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into the, to his mother, Rebecca, Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. The bridegroom appears, 
He's on his way to worship alone. He's out. Isaac, we saw this last time very briefly, but Isaac is that, that brother that, that's meditative, waiting on the Lord, sees at a distance, is excited. He's by the way of Bear, Lahai Roy, in that area of the south. Uh, this is where Hagar, remember, came and wept. It's a place where it was named uh, the one who lives and sees. This is where Hagar was reminded that God saw her in her distress. This is where Isaac learns now God sees him in his singleness. God sees him. God knows. And Isaac was taking time to meditate. And when he lifts up his eyes, he sees the blessing of God coming to him. It's just a beautiful chapter of what God is wanting to accomplish in our lives. Just the timing of the study of Genesis has been beautiful as it ties together with acts. It's unbelievable what God has in store for us. It is God's good. Just listen to the words of Jesus where I want to end. Luke 12, 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Some of you just need to be asking for what this looks like in your life. What do you have for me, Lord? The kingdom of God always inside. Jesus has given you are a part of the kingdom. You are. that The kingdom of God lives in you. The rulership of God. The authority of God. The dominion of God. But now, what, what is it that he wants to give us? What do you have for me, Lord? What, what do you want from me? And I want to walk in your ways. And Father, I pray that we would walk in your ways and we would trust you with our lives. Uh, even as we were praying a few, for Ukraine, Lord. We know in our own heart of hearts, as hard as it is, that you brought Pastor Byron and Emily back because of a closed door. And it was painful. Like We're looking at scattering and we're looking at closed doors and we see the fruit of them, but we forget the process. It's so hard sometimes and painful and hurting as we are praying tonight, God. You hear our prayers for those that have loss of lives and loss of homes. But what struck me was that loss of peace and safety and security. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. So Father, we want to walk in your will. We want to be led. We want to live out that green highlighted verse. Uh, while I was on the way, the Lord led me. Stir up your church, God. Put us on the way. You might reveal to us great and wonderful things. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.